hey, in order to shorten your waitlist, if you make Bing your default search engine in Chrome, if you download an Edge and you download some like Microsoft wallpaper thing. So I have like wallpapers of Microsoft popping up on my <laughs> desktop, but I was desperate Tanner's enough. Tanner's a Microsoft fanboy. Well, I was trying to get Bing, man. And so now all of a sudden like <laughs> Bing is everywhere and I have no reason to change it back to Google because I'm actually satisfied with Bing. Welcome to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host, Gary Bird. I'm the CEO of SMC National, where we provide predictable new patient flow for offices just like yours. My name is Tanner Applegate. I am co-host and also co-founder and CEO of Unify Dental. We're a SaaS product that helps you maintain control of all the different programs and such you have for your dental office, simplifying it for your team. Okay, so we got three really cool things. So first, Tanner got access to the new Bing ch- uh, Chat GPT. Uh, I think it's a browser. I- uh-huh. I- I'm in the waiting line for this. I haven't talked to anybody that's using it, so I have like a million questions for you. But before we even jump into that, there's two other things that we're going to cover. Number one, we're talking about a half a health hack of how we can work without stopping, right? So I'm always trying to figure out how can I keep working without stopping? And there's some things that you've been talking about. So we're going to talk about that. And then also, I ran into a moral dilemma with ChatGPT, and it's around education. So we can jump into that. So which which one do you want to tackle first, Tanner? What one do you are most interested in? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. We're kind of on the uh, tail end of like this major sickness. I don't know if you've experienced it the same in your team, but like last week, for example... I work with a remote team where like, I feel like five meetings within one day had somebody out because they were sick and it was like all the same symptoms, right? It was crazy. And my wife, same thing. She was sick at home. All the kids are at home sick too. So they weren't at school. And she sent me this link of like, Hey, here's these like the infusion thing, like help get to get my feet on. Should we do it or not? And immediately, Gary, I thought of you because I know that you're kind of big into this. Uh, I wanted to pick your brain on that. Tell me about like, what is this IV like trend? Is it like doctor certified? Fill me in on what your thoughts are. Yeah. So, okay. So first of all, I was, I'm very scared of needles and I'm very scared of doctors and nurses and anybody poking anything into me. So for me to even go down this road, I had to ask a lot of people. So I posted online, asked a lot of different people. Some of them were doctors, some were dentists, some were other kinds of doctors. And I said, is this is is putting these high volumes of vitamins into your body? Does it work? And everybody was like, yeah, it works. And if for like common colds or like these, these, these um, things that happen, because I same thing happened to my company, everybody got sick at the same time. Like it was like a 24, 48 hour flu. Everybody I knew got it. It was the same kind of symptoms. And so what I do, anytime that my kids come home sick or anytime that people around me, I start hearing everybody's getting sick, I take one of these vitamin IVs. They're usually a couple hundred bucks, 200 to $500, depending on which vitamins that you get. And as long as it's not like a gut related type, you know, sickness where you're like throwing up and stuff like that, um, as long as it's nothing like that, almost every time it's worked for me where I don't get sick or I start feeling sick and then it goes away because I kind of flush my body with a ridiculous amounts of vitamin C and B vitamins and different different vitamins and and it works great for That's, me. And it's so interesting though like any downside like why not just like pump your body in this like once a week or something 
Yeah, I guess you can. You could probably overdo it. There's always downside to everything, right? And that's the one thing that I did. Everybody that I did ask, hey, what are your thoughts on this? They were like, you could you could abuse it if you do it every single week. There's going to be, you know, byproducts of what you're you know what you're putting in your body. So you can have too much vitamin C, have too much to B12, all those kind of things. So I do it about twice a month, I would say. So and then the the benefit of it is just higher absorption than like going in and taking your high C or whatever the other yeah that so if i was arguing it against it i know that our body cannot retain the amount of vitamins that you're actually putting in you so you go to the bathroom and instantly you can see that oh all these vitamins are coming out of me um but your body does absorb it and you feel it like i feel amazing when you have that much b12 and and vitamin c and and several of the other ones they also put in um amino acids and several other things that i can feel it in my body like okay i feel amazing right now and vitamins and minerals on a regular basis outside of this no okay so this is like a big thing then for your body i'm always i'm curious and if you were to be doing that regularly and then take this how would that impact it Mm, yeah i'm not sure but yeah it it works like i don't get sick (laughs) if if i if when every time my house gets sick because i have a lot of kids So, and you have little kids too. So they get sick. They get put everything in their mouth. I mean, there's constantly sickness. It seems like once a month going through my house. This is this has really helped me not not to ever have to stop because of that. So my wife, the link that she sent me for a local one here out of Denver, I just felt really uncomfortable with it because I felt like it was like Harley Davidson style branding, where it was like really almost kind of like biker style branding. I was like, I don't know how I feel about a health company having this style of branding. So. <laughs> I think that also put me so, on the edge a little bit. So what they do is they come to your house. The ones in California will come to your house. And there's also centers, a lot of centers here. And then you do a FaceTime with a doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor goes through your medical history and just like, hey, have you ever done this before? Or have you done it recently? And do you do you struggle with this, 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 and this? You fill out just like a form, just like you would if you went to the dental office. They go through it all and they FaceTime with you and they're like, yep, they're good. So it's that doctor's uh, medical license on the line. Now, the next level of this, once I started doing these and I realized how good it made me feel, I started doing NAD. And NAD plus is much more controversial and much more less known. That is a complete business hack. It's a cheat code, like straight up. (laughs) It's a steroid. It's a cheat code. Yeah, it's like steroids for for business because what it does is it creates maximum focus. Like you're, it removes the brain fog that you feel because you have all these decisions coming in. That gets removed. You get hyper focused, and it removes the anxiety that you feel from all those different decisions. You know that like looming feeling where you're like, I got four hundred thousand decisions to make. I'm not sure how to make each of them or what order to make them, and you almost feel like. It's kind of stuck or paralyzed like until you get into it and you start working through it it literally just removes all of those feelings gets you hyper focused and uh, the energy levels are through the roof we'll as well to, i've got actually we'll have to open this up to the audience if, if a ton of people that listen are really into biohacking maybe we'll make this a longer episode where we go more deep into gary's biohacking routine but um i'm curious kind of who's into biohacking within our community as well so maybe we'll open it up and we'll post about it like on linkedin or Facebook groups or whatever, but I'm curious kind of, is this super common or is just Gary on the cutting edge as always with this kind of stuff? <laughs> I love it. Hey, I, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if I uh, have any weird side effects <laughs> or anything like that. You're just going to die. Premature. So I have, 
So what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the moral dilemma that I face now, or do you want to talk about the Bing, the Bing thing? Uh, I'm going to leave that up to you. Which one do you want to go through? Let's talk about the the Bing. I, I'm I'm really, really curious about this. I want to make sure that I get the questions in. So Bing has a new browser that integrates ChatGPT into it, which not, not seems browser, really, really engine. cool. Search engine. I'm sorry. Yeah. So like Google Chrome, right? No. Well, no, like Google itself, right? So I can still go to oh, Bing like, okay. in Chrome and use ChatGPT's back end. Okay. Right. So Okay, because they have a they, they have a have browser. Edge. They have a Okay. Yeah, so edge. So that's really the kind of the keys, right? So I went, I was like every day, I don't know about you, Gary, every day I was like checking my email to see if I got off the wait list. And eventually I went down the rabbit hole of like, Hey, how do you, how do you hijack this to get higher up on the list? And so I really did like download the developer version of edge and like all these other things and hopefully to get up. And so finally today in the morning, I got access to it. And I got to say, it's, it is incredible. Like I I've literally only had like 15 minutes to play with it, but I threw in a use case that I was struggling with last week without it. So let me give you, kind of walk you through, right? This next week, um, my my mom's having a big birthday. So we're doing a Disney cruise with her and all of my extended family. And so we're flying out to Miami early and I have to be the one in charge of like getting to the hotel the night before, right? So I'm like, got this huge checklist of like things that I want in the hotel, right? I want to be able to use points. I want to be able to have it on the beach. I want it to be family friendly, right? Like all these things, where like last week when I didn't have it, I spent probably, and this is because I'm a fact finder and I'm always cross-referencing what I don't know. I probably spent a good three to four hours trying to figure out the best hotel for our family, right? For this one night. Checks all right, those checks boxes. All the boxes. I want to walk to the beach, yeah. right? I want to be able to come back. I want to get showered off before we get on the cruise, like all these things. And so figured it out last week, booked the hotel. This morning when I got Bing, I was like, all right, let's see what Bing can do. I just typed in all of these requirements and they gave me a list of the top three that i ended up figuring out on my own of wow. like here's the three that we suggest and here's the part like here are the point so, partnerships that you could use in order to do it and i was like it was crazy so let's talk through this and correct me if i'm wrong on any of this so right now you can't do that on chat gpt because it's not a search engine in that way so it's not going to give you that exact answer that you just searched for so you can't use it for that and you can't use google for that right now because google's just going to give you relative ads and whoever has the best seo so how how did it find those how did it combine seo and what you were looking for and this chat gpt style information gathering it's because i think that initially i set in my question like i would have at google right hey i want a hotel here right and then when i when i had that search i went into the bing sidebar and i said oh yeah but filter it down by this. Like these are the things that I was important to. Like I wanted certain point partnerships, right? Like they need to be able to have Amex points, Chase points or Capital One points, right? And so with all of this additional information, it just went through and like, I think hyperscanned all of the results that it already gave me and synthesized it in a matter of seconds for the outcome of like, here's what you need to get, right? It was mind How are people going to be able to use this in business? Like how do you see this rolling out for like businesses like ours or like, or even like in the dental industry. Oh, I see this all the time. Like, for example, we ran into an issue here with Riverside, right? Where we've, we've, this is now like the third version of a similar podcast that we've recorded, right? With this issue, I'll go in and plug it into Bing. Like, I don't know if you did that too, where you Googled Riverside mm-hmm. issues of like, hey, what, like, th- this is happening in Riverside. Like, what are a solution, 
right? If I were to do that in Google, I'd have to go and search through all the different similar things. Yep. And being, I would just be like, hey, here's this issue that I'm having, like go in and synthesize all this and tell me what I should do, right? Like that was what I would have done in a similar situation that you and I have experienced. And that's just kind of like quickly out the top of my head. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I cannot wait to get Bing. So I'm, I'm really, and which is crazy because I never <laughs> thought anybody would take market share from Google. And now I'm like, I, and I hate Microsoft on top of it, right? So I'm just like, but I cannot wait to get on that. that, that Microsoft list. So is I'm, brilliantly playing this though, because if you, I don't know if you've done this yet or Gary or not, but they say, hey, in order to shorten your wait list, if you make Bing your default search engine in Chrome, if you download an edge and you download some like Microsoft wallpaper thing. So I have like wallpapers of Microsoft popping up on my <laughs> desktop, but I was desperate Tanner's enough. Microsoft fanboy. Well, I was trying to get Bing, man. And so now all of a sudden like <laughs> Bing is everywhere and I have no reason to change it back to Google because I'm actually satisfied with Bing. So smart. It is crazy. It's such a hack. It's so smart. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna literally do that as soon as I get off of here. So this is gonna if be, they gave you Bing cool. right now, you can guarantee that you wouldn't make the change off of your search engine. Right. But now all these like fanatical people are like, oh, I want access to it. They're like, okay, well, in order to get access to it, change your search engine. Yeah. Uh, wow. Brilliant. The good well played. Because that you a lot of people don't know this. Microsoft broke into the the internet world or the the web world or whatever you want to call it um, because they were preloaded on all the machines. So you didn't even have an option. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, man, you're just stuck with Microsoft when it comes with the computer and it was really no other option. So the, And then there was some free open source Netscape. options that came out later. Yeah, yeah. And so... But um, that they've they've really they know this game very well. They know how to grab market share really really well. And this is going to be fascinating to watch play out over the next couple. Of well, years. it's honestly it's fascinating to me that they've been able to grab it back because if you think about the number of companies that have PCs that then force Chrome to be the default browser, it's fascinating to me that Chrome has been able to break into that because you're right, it's not default on the machine. Right, so companies are literally having to go out of their way to say, I do not like Microsoft's product enough that I will install something else as the first well, thing I do. Well, remember, well, Internet Explorer, was that, who was that owned by? Chrome. I mean, Microsoft. Internet Explorer. Oh, was it? Because that was trash. Was trash. That was horrible. I hated Internet Explorer. It was so, and they preloaded it with all these things and functions that I was like, I don't need any of this. And Chrome was so much faster. That was the big thing was for me was, oh, Google Chrome's like, 10 times the speed of Internet Explorer. What's so, fascinating anyways. to me, though, is when I installed Edge, which is the new Internet Explorer, right? They just took the name, they changed it, and they made it look a little bit better. What's fascinating to me, though, is that our Unify has an extension that you have to use, and we only have a Chrome version of it right now. So when I opened up Unify and Edge, I could actually install our Chrome extension on Edge. So now I'm using Chrome extensions mm -hmm. on Edge, and I was like, I'm amazed that Edge was they figured that willing out. to do that, right? So now we don't have to yep. go and develop something specifically for Edge. It's already still capable. It's interesting. Ah, very smart, very smart. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Okay, so I got one more thing for you. I got a moral dilemma. So my wife comes to me and she's a teacher, and so she she, she doesn't teach now, but she's taught for years, right? And she has a high opinion of teachers and the educational process, and just very very traditional in that sense, right? So my son, who's 16, he was, he's been using ChatGPT. So I showed him, hey, you can use ChatGPT. I want you to learn how to use this tool. I think it is going to pay big dividends in the future if you can get really good at getting it to do what you want it to do. 
Well, come to find out, he's basically just been like, hey, write me a report on this. And it's just like, boom. And he's turning that in cold turkey, right? And so my wife comes to me and is like, we need to ban chat GPT. Uh, he can't use it anymore because he's cheating. And I said, well, is it is it really cheating? Is it is it cheating? And she's like, yes, because he's supposed to be learning and he's not. So I don't want him using that anymore. And I was like, well, is it more important that he learns the information or he learns how to use these tools like which one's more important and is it really cheating, right? And we went round and round on this. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to solve it like this. I'm going to go to ChatGPT uh, and I typed it in. How should my son be using ChatGPT as a 16-year-old with school? And it listed like 16 things. And then it, it listed like, I'm sorry, not the 16 things. It listed like 10 things. And then at the bottom, it was like, he shouldn't be using it just to like just write the paper for him because he needs to learn how to think and blah, all of my wife's arguments, right? So I was like, okay, cool. So we started. So I gave the list to my son and said, "Here's how you're allowed to use ChatGPT now." And of course, uh, he wasn't as, as happy about it. But that's how we solved it. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Because I think this is going to become a real problem. Have you paid attention to nationally what's going on in the same arena? Like mm-hmm. NY, a New bit. York City. So I I joined a. Uh, Man, we're going deep in this AI. I joined an AI community, right? I'm paying like 12 bucks to be a part of this AI Slack community with a bunch of other AI nerds and they discuss all these things. So one of the channels is AI education. And like, for example, New York City has banned use or access to tools like ChatGPT. And so what this channel or this group's concern was, obviously they're very bullish and pro AI, but their concern was something like, 85% 85% of the New York City school district is going to be there, these minorities that are already behind in education on how to use these tools. So by blocking it, you're actually setting them behind even farther yeah. than they already are. Right. And so they're yeah. big. And plus, it's not a real block. Like all I have to do is pull out my phone and turn off my Wi Fi and I have yeah. access. Well, to by it. making it a negative stigma, those that are willing to follow the rules are now set behind. Right. Instead of saying, hey, here's an education on how to use this, when to use this, and let's help you with guidelines, kind of like what you did for your son. For these families that may come from two working parents that are out of the house that have no idea what it is, and instead of like educating and sitting down and how to use this tool, they're actually now farther behind because the school district out of fear is like, we're just putting a cold turkey block, right? And so this whole conversation was around the fact that like, we need to advocate on behalf of these minorities that aren't going to advocate for themselves of like, we need to use proper use of the tools, not just straight up banning them because we fear them. Yeah, because the way I the way the broke down the, the breakdown that I used to really explain this to my wife from my perspective was what if I never learned how to use the internet? Cuz when I was a kid, there was a time where it's like, eh, the internet might be a fad and it may, you know, it's just a passing thing. That was like a real thing. And so there could have been somebody out there that said, "Okay, don't Gary, never learn the internet. It's just a passing fad. Just learn how to write cursive and you'll be great and use the in, index cards in the library system, right?" Well, if that's all I learned, I'd be so far behind. It'd be ridiculous, right? Like, SMC so there's a level as it is today. Yeah, exactly. It would be we we do uh, sell encyclopedias. Yeah, <laughs> postcards. <laughs> um, so so how so I learned the internet, and then now I'm like head deep in this AI stuff. I use it. I try to use it at least ten times a day, like every single day for f- personal use and work use, just constantly because I want to learn it. I want to be deep in it so I can learn it. That's how I feel that the kids have to learn this. If they don't learn how to use these tools, they will be severely left behind. That's that's my so. So here's some 
uh, examples that I've heard people use in the same regard that there's easy ways to kind of argue, right? So one is like, hey, chat GPT is like a calculator, right? It can give you the result and you can essentially say, I don't know how to get here, but I at least have the answer, right? The thing with your internet example is like, you had to still go in and synthesize information because if you went and copied and pasted from like Wikipedia, it was super easy to catch. And therefore you could say, hey, I can tell you didn't learn it. The thing that I think is so scary about this chat GPT is that you can synthesize it in a way that is unique to you that nobody else can tell that you didn't learn it, right? And so what I think is going to end up happening, just like with the calculators, they're going to say, instead of the answer being the most important thing, it's the work to get to the answer, right? Show me three rough draft versions full of riddled with errors that I have to see before I get your final essay in, right? Proof of work, not proof proof of outcome. Well, so so here's how I used to, I was telling my wife, this is how I used to use an inter- the internet because I was not good at writing. Like I, that wasn't my strength. So what I would do is I'd go online and I'd find a paragraph from a site that I liked about a topic. I'd drop that into a doc. Then I would drop, you know, find another paragraph, drop that into a doc. So I'm taking from different sources, dropping it in. And then I would go in and rewrite it all. Right. So I'd go in and just change the words around. So none of it was plagiarism. It wouldn't raise any of the flags of plagiarism, but it helped me structure ideas in a way before the internet, I would never be able to do that. It was very difficult the amount of time. But with Google, it shortened that time. So before I'd have to go into a library, take out 10 books, read those 10 books. Like that would take forever to find the bits and pieces. But the internet allowed me to do that. Now with ChatGPT, it just puts it all right there for me. Uh, I, I, every day I'm using it. Today I looked up something for a post. I said, "How much, you know, how much national debt is there? What's our interest payments on that going to look like?" You know, and just quickly was able to get information that you know it, without without any kind of even copying and pasting. Have you heard of this concept of vegan AI? No. So there is a controversy of like, hey, I'm using this copyrighted material in order to train my AI models right? Both images and content, right? So if you go and look at the training models of like OpenAI, they've done it off of like books that are copywritten, right? And so now all of a sudden people are upset that they, hey, this is not. So the idea of vegan AI is that it are only trained models of non-copyrighted works, art and words, right? So things like Wikipedia and stuff that aren't copywritten. And so the whole idea of vegan AI is that because what you were saying is it synthesizes all the information into one singular place, but it doesn't give reference back to where that idea or thought came from. Yeah. So vegan AI Great. is like, okay, now we're taking away this whole like copywritten aspect of it and we'll make it so it synthesizes mm-hmm. off a of non-copywritten material. I haven't seen, I heard about that a couple months ago, but I haven't seen it get in a lot of traction. So I don't think it's a huge topic of conversation, but I wouldn't be surprised if it resurfaces later. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, this has been a really good episode. I'm glad we refilmed it three times and changed <laughs> it. So this is this is way better than the first two. You're awesome, cool, awesome. Talk to you, man. Soon.